Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 is where we're going to be. We're continuing uh, this series here as we have... Uh, been in this book for uh, several weeks now, and we're nearly through to the end uh, on this, but 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 um, is the end of the uh, answer of the question of what about spiritual gifts? What about spiritual gifts? And uh, Justice, will you do me another favor? Would you mind turning this light on here uh, that's right above me? I, I apologize. I was seeming dark, and it is. So, Or Trevor can grab it, either one. Uh, there we go. That. Oh, wow. Let there be light. Uh, I can see now. That's wonderful. Uh, please forgive my distractions. Uh, it's happened all day today, but we're going to try to bring it in and focus. Uh, but Paul has been answering questions uh, to the church at Corinth. Of course, he was given an, uh, a letter uh, from the household of Chloe, and she was reporting to Paul on several different matters that had been taking place uh, within the church. And, of course, this letter of 1 Corinthians is to try to help bring a, a sense of unity uh, to this church. And within this, the first part or the first half of the book, if you will, uh, Paul was dealing with some, uh, some issues. Uh, he was dealing with some moral issues, some immoral issues. And, and then in this last half of this book, he's been answering some of the questions uh, that they have had. As we come to chapter 12, he begins discussing uh, at length some of the different spiritual gifts that have been given, uh, that have been discussed. When we looked last week at chapter 13, uh, we saw how uh, that work of charity completes the gifts. Now, he's going to finish up this answer in chapter number 14, and we're going to deal with a subject uh, that generates, um, well, let's just say it generates a whole lot of heat. Now, on a night like tonight, you might like a little bit of heat. I don't know, um, but uh, that's not the type of heat we're talking about. Uh, but it generates a little bit of heat. It generates uh, sometimes, even among Christians and among Christian circles, it generates a little bit of hatred. Sometimes it generates some confusion. It also generates division. Anybody want to take a guess on what we're going to talk about tonight? I, I heard, but I didn't hear, so speak louder. Tongues. I think that's what most of you said. Some of you may have said something different. If you did, I apologize. Um, but uh, yes, we're going to talk about tongues. Uh, it is an issue. Uh, it is an issue that remains today. And isn't that something? Now, here's, here's, let, me, let me start here. It is something that it is still an issue today, uh, some 2,000 years after we were given this piece of Scripture, and it's still a controversy. It was a controversy to this church, and it's in, or let me say it this way, because uh, clarify, uh, it was a controversy to this church in Scripture at Corinth, okay? Because if I just say it's a controversy to this church, 
Someone might think I'm talking about this church at Bailey Road. I'm not talking about Bailey Road, uh, but if someone starts speaking in tongues tonight, then we'll have to, we'll have to deal with that, amen? Uh, but I don't think that'll be an issue uh, in, in this crowd. But uh, it was a church here, it was an issue here at Corinth, and uh, I want to read a few verses here this evening, and then I'm going to give you, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you a fairly lengthy introduction, Okay. Uh, to kind of talk about tongues, to kind of talk about some different opinions on tongues. And, and it'll be a little lengthy. I'll try to get through it as quickly as possible. And then I'm going to give you just a few things uh, that, that where Paul talks about the regulations of tongues. And that's what he's dealing with here in chapter 14 because it was a big issue. And so let's read some verses here tonight and get some context of what is taking place here. And then we'll be through this evening. So uh, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, verse number 1, he says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Excuse me. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to the exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. We'll stop there for sake of time this evening. But again, this evening we're going to talk about the regulations of tongues. Let's pray together and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you again so very much for your goodness. I thank you for how you move and work in our lives and the directions uh, that you give. And Father, in uh, this chapter, it, it seems to be uh, very clear what your desire would be within churches and, and that. But Father, we also know that uh, among Christians and even among 
if we could even call it different branches of Christianity. Uh, Father, we know that this issue uh, of tongues is a, uh, is a hot topic. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help bring some clarity uh, to that tonight. And Father, where uh, opinion is given, may it be stated as such. But Father, as your word speaks, uh, may that be very clear as well. As a matter of fact, may it be the clearest thing in the room tonight. Uh, is what your word has to say on this matter. And uh, Father, we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. And we do pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. So uh, by, by way of introduction, I want to uh, kind of give, uh, first off, uh, some different views uh, on what tongues were. Okay? Uh, on what tongues were uh, in the Scripture. Now, I, I say this, and I'm going to give you two different viewpoints uh, that are often discussed. They're probably the most often discussed uh, throughout, uh, throughout our time anyway. And, and that's basically what tongues were. Now, I tell you this uh, by way of introduction in to uh, prepare you that this is simply opinion. Uh, the the scripture uh, indicates a little bit, um, but it does not go into a full uh, definition or a full explanation uh, of what tongues really is or was uh, in this particular day and time. Um, and, and I'll give you some uh, some reasons as to why uh, people lean on on these different directions, uh, and then. Uh, you basically what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to come down on one side or the other. Uh, or you could come down to an opinion that I have and uh, just say, yep. You know what I mean by that? And what I mean by that is it could be either one. Okay? So you can if you come down on this side and you say, yep, that's it, uh, that's okay. And if you come down on this side and you say, yep, that's it, I, I, I agree with this one, uh, that's fine. Uh, we can all still be friends, okay? Everybody agree with that? Now, if we don't agree with it, we're just going to pray and go home, okay? Because uh, there's no need to go any further if we're not in agreement here. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm still going to preach. So, uh, But we do need to be in agreement here. We're all going to be friends no matter which side we lie on. And if you're somewhere in the middle and say, well, I could see both, uh, then, uh, then we'll be all okay, all right? So here's the first uh, opinion or different view on tongues and how they were used. And the first one is uh, that it would be or would have been an unknown human language. All right, I want you to think back to Pentecost when Peter stood up and he began to preach. Everyone heard as he spoke in their own language. Now that's a miracle, isn't it? Multiple different languages represented there. Peter's getting up, and those that, uh, and I don't know all the languages that would have been represented there, so I'll use some modern ones. Uh, people that would have spoken French heard it in French. Those that spoke Spanish uh, heard it in Spanish. Those that spoke Greek or uh, Aramaic, they would have heard it in their own language, and Peter was speaking in his language. Now, there were other times that those that would have spoken in tongues uh, would have 
uh, spoken in an unlearned uh, or a tongue that they had not previously learned, like we have people uh, that may be bilingual. Are there any bilingualists here tonight? Anybody speak more than one language? No? All right, so everybody's first language was English, and it's your only language, and that's okay, mine too. I am not bilingual. I've always wanted to be, uh, but I've never given it the time uh, to do it. I took a, a one semester of Spanish in high school. It may have even been a whole year, I think, maybe, but uh, it didn't teach me a whole lot. Uh, I can say, Comateyamas. That is, what is your name? I can count, and that's it. I can say, Baño, which is bathroom. Uh, but I can't say where is it. All I can say is baño and point or go, you know, hey, I got to go, uh, you know, baño, 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 and then somebody's going to know I need to go. Uh, but uh, that's not necessarily speaking in tongues uh, within this. Now, here are some of the reasons why uh, some would have, uh, would say it's an unknown uh, language or an unlearned language, not unknown uh, this viewpoint. Well, the first reason is because uh, the word interpret uh, means to translate. Uh, and so you would have this translation, and we do this before. Uh, I, I have preached in South Africa before uh, to people that, uh, that speak Kosa. Uh, that's the language they would speak there. Uh, some spoke English, some spoke Kosa. And so I preached in English, and uh, a young man by the name of Yonga uh, interpreted for me. And uh, it was probably one of the most interesting preaching experiences I have ever had. Uh, but he would interpret to those that heard. Uh, they heard what I was saying, but they had no idea what I was saying. Um, and, and so one might say, well, you were preaching in tongues. Uh, well, no, I was preaching in English. He was preaching in Kosa, and it was all good. But he interpreted or translated uh, what I said there. Uh, the second reason uh, many or some would believe it to be an unlearned human tongue is because, of, as I've already mentioned, because of what happened at Pentecost. Uh, and I'm not going to go through that again, uh, just leave that there. Uh, then the third uh, reason would be uh, that gibberish could not be assigned to unbelievers. Uh, if, if, the, if tongues are simply an unknown language to anyone, uh, then somebody coming in just speaking or uh, babbling or using gibberish uh, in, in saying, you know, okay, uh, and I'm not speaking in tongues because there's no interpreter here. I'm just using that as an example. Uh, that would be gibberish. Everyone would say, what did he say? Well, I didn't say anything. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think that's any language whatsoever, uh, but that would not be a good sign or indicator uh, to an unbeliever within this. Now, here's an interesting thing. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 7, uh, Jesus warned against a babbling tongue. Jesus warned against a babbling tongue. And so that would be an unknown uh, tongue within that. And then the fifth reason would be because, uh, again, no other definition is given other than in the book of Acts as far as what was taking place. So that would be the first reason as to, or the first view, is an unlearned human uh, language. The second viewpoint that is most commonly given is that the speaking in tongues would be a non-human or an angelic tongue. One of the reasons for this would be uh, at Pentecost. 
Uh-oh, you say, wait a minute, you used Pentecost over here uh, for the first reason, and now we're back to Pentecost over here? Well, yes, because remember, when they were at Pentecost, and Peter was preaching, and everyone was understanding, do you remember what they accused them of? Being drunk. Being intoxicated. And, and so uh, they're saying that if they were intoxicated uh, at that time or not intoxicated, then they could not have been speaking in any language other than a non-human or an angelic tongue uh, that would be there. Then uh, another reason uh, would be uh, that uh, why would tongues have to cease uh, if it was a non-human or an angelic uh, tongue uh, the tongues would cease. Well, uh, because we know back in chapter 13, he said tongues would cease, or that which is imperfect uh, would be done away with. Uh, and the fact is, uh, some would say languages don't cease. Now on that, however, uh, there are uh, in our culture some languages that are known as dead languages. Uh, as a matter of fact, Koine Greek uh, is one of those uh, dead languages that people don't speak any longer. Uh, they, they, now you say, well, they speak Greek. Yes, they speak what's called a modern Greek uh, within that. But the Koine Greek, uh, which is what the uh, New Testament would have been written in primarily uh, and then translated into, even in some other uh, forms there, uh, it is simply a written language, not a spoken language. Um, and, and so there's some interpretation uh, within that even of itself. Then uh, some would say because of verse number 2 in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'm going to read that for you since we're here, where the Scripture says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Unto God. And, and so some would use that as being an angelic tongue uh, as God uh, being able to understand, um, but again, we are speaking of God here, uh, and I do believe since He created the languages that He speaks them all, amen? Just my opinion there uh, within that. Uh, and then again, another distinction uh, in verse number 14, uh, we did not read this far, uh, but notice in verse number 14, He says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. Uh, and so that would be another possible uh, uh, signification that it would be uh, an unknown tongue. Uh, and then in uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the phrase is used, uh, other tongues. Uh, and so that would be an indication of which viewpoint would you fall under uh, or have. Now, the fact of the matter is this. Uh, when it comes down to the different views of tongues, uh, what doesn't, uh, let me say it this way, what doesn't matter is our opinion. Amen? Now again, I think it's interesting. I think it's good to have an opinion on some of these things. That's one of the reasons why I told you uh, I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. That's just me. Again, you could be on one side, you could be on another side, and I think it's okay for us to remain friends on that, okay? Uh, you may feel differently, and that's fine too, but uh, I still want to be your friend on that. But uh, here, here's my thing on this. I think it's possible 
that there was a time that uh, folks were speaking. Well, I know this is definitely uh, likely that there were those that spoke uh, in, a, in a human language and they understood there. We know that to be a fact. That's what it says in Acts. As far as the unknown tongue, I think that's also possible. Because what does the Bible say? With God, all things are possible. Uh, I am not convinced as I stand here tonight, and I do reserve the right to change my mind. Amen? I reserve the right to change my mind uh, on this, uh, but I'm not convinced that it has to be one or the other. That's just me. That's where I'm at tonight. Again, I could change my opinion on this. Now, when we consider the purpose of tongues... The purpose of tongues, again, this is all for uh, introduction here. Uh, We do learn some things, as we read just a few moments ago, uh, that uh, the purpose of tongues was not for church edification. I find that extremely interesting here. As the Bible says in verse number 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Now remember, the word edify means to build up. So somebody coming in and speaking in an unknown tongue was somebody that was interested in building themselves up and not the church. Not the church. So, and we know that because it says, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. In verse number 19, the Bible says, yet in the church I'd rather have, I would, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Do you see that difference? Paul said, I would rather speak five words that you could understand than 10,000 words that you couldn't. That's a powerful statement right there. Five words. Now, some of you might, might be thinking, I would like a five-word sermon. <laughs> I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know what a five-word sermon would be like. Now, I don't know if I'm anywhere near 10,000 words uh, in a sermon or not, so it may feel that way sometimes, but I don't think I'm quite close to that on most occasions. Uh, other than maybe the first week uh, on on that. But uh, 10,000 words is a lot of words. And Paul says, I'd rather speak five that you understand uh, than not. Uh, but it's, it's not for church edification. Um, and then in verse number 23, he says, If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Again, this is not for uh, unbelievers. It's for personal edification within this. It's not to, it doesn't demonstrate a uh, spiritual baptism as we found back in chapter 12 in the 13th verse. So what is the purpose of tongues? Well, the purpose of tongues were uh, to validate the authority of the apostles and the early church. Remember, I've, I've mentioned this multiple times throughout this study in 1 Corinthians that uh, this church of Corinth did not have what you and I have. As a matter of fact, uh, it, if they had, 
all of the New Testament that had been written when Paul wrote this book of 1 Corinthians, they would have had three books. That's if they received them. Three. Three is how many they would have had at this point. They didn't have the instructions that you and I have today. And so there needed to be these signs to validate the authority of the apostles and the early Christians for not just the church, but for the unbelievers. Again, somebody comes in and starts talking about uh, Jesus Christ and starts talking about all the things that He did. Uh, Well, what authority do you have? You see, we have something tonight that is the authority of the very Word of God. Listen, Aaron Smith has zero authority tonight outside of this Bible that I hold in my hand. None. You say, but you're the pastor. I have none outside of this book. This book is what gives authority. It is this book. Well, they didn't have this book. They did have gifts. They did have these sign gifts. And when you could do that, people said, oh, all right, okay. And and this would serve, again, as a sign gift to the lost. And it was used to impart new truths prior to the completion of God's authority. That was the purpose of tongues. Now, let me go through and give you the regulations here. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. There are nine of them that Paul lays out within this passage here. And I'm going to give them to you a little more quickly than I gave you the introduction. Okay, Uh, If you're taking notes, write fast. And uh, some of them we've already gone through, so I'm not going to expound upon that. Uh, But I want to give you these regulations as Paul gave them uh, within uh, within this. So we again find uh, back in uh, verses 3 and 4, as the Scripture says, "...but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort." And comfort. So remember, we're talking about the regulations of tongues. But he, in verse number 4, that speaketh in an unknown tongue, edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth, edifieth the church. The regulations of tongues, part of that was to give an understanding that tongues were not a help to the church. Tongues were not to help the church. It was to edify self and also as a sign gift uh, to those there. Then, uh, not uh, or speaking a the second regulation here in verses three and four uh, is the fact that speaking known tongues helps everyone. Speaking in a known tongue helps everyone. Again, uh, could you imagine tonight if I did? Uh, we've we've had missionaries in here before, uh, and, and have you ever noticed how sometimes missionary will get up, they speak a different language, and. Uh, and they began to speak. As a matter of fact, I think Jeremy Hall did it when he was here. Uh, he got up and he greeted everyone in Kosa. Uh, and how many of you understood what he was talking? What he was saying? Anyone at all? You got zero, Marty. All right. I've been to South Africa. I've heard them speak Kosa. I got zero. Zero. As a matter of fact, I, I can remember one phrase uh, in, in, in Kosa, and it's Unjani. But I couldn't tell you what it means. 
because I don't remember. But I know they say, and Johnny, they say it a lot. And I may think of it by the time the sermon's over, but Johnny, I don't know what it means. To me, it's like Johnny's coming too, but that's not it. It has nothing to do with a Johnny. It's not even a name. It's some type of greeting uh, that they use, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is. But listen, I, and I'm not, I'm not saying Brother Jeremy shouldn't have done that because it's always good to hear somebody speak in another language, that type of thing. But what I'm saying is this, and, and what the Scripture is saying is this, that speaking in a known tongue helps everyone. If you had no idea what I was saying tonight, you may as well go home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you may as well go home because it's not helping you at all. And that's what tongues would do in a church. Uh, the third thing I want you to see from verse number 7 uh, is, is where he says, And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? Here's the deal. Regulations. Tongues are useless unless they're heard and understood. Even with an instrument. Trevor, will you come play the piano for me real quick? Please come. And I want you to play... Let's see. Brother Bob, do you have any requests? No request. Abby, do you have a request? Chloe, give me a request. Jesus loves me, this I know. One of the easiest hymns ever. I want you to play that right now. No, keep going. It's lovely. Anybody want to come sing along with them? Jennifer, I wish your voice was better. I'd have you come sing Jesus Loves Me. Brother Burrow, would you like to come Jesus Loves Me while Trevor plays it on the piano? Anyone at all? Brother Rick, special music. Right here, right now. Keep playing. We're enjoying this rendition of Jesus Loves Me. For the Bible tells me so. I picked that up, did you? Now look, Brother John, was that Jesus loves me, this I know? Not in this language. Thank you, Trevor. I appreciate you making an attempt in that. He, uh, yeah, he's very brave. And Johnny is, how are you? What'd you do, look it up? You're not doing right. Uh, now you've totally thrown me off. Uh, so I'm not doing well. Uh, yeah, distinction in sound. Now, if he got up and knew how to play Jesus Loves Me, everyone in here knows Jesus Loves Me, right? If he got up there and, and it, it sounded like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, everyone would know. We wouldn't even have to say, what song is that? We would just know. Now, what song were you playing? Oh, he, he, he wasn't even playing a song. He was just pushing notes. And that's exactly the same way I play, Trevor, by the way. But do you see how just going down and playing, it doesn't work that way. You have to know or have, and here's what he says, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? But look what he says. He says, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? Listen, can I just tell you that sometimes 
The difference between a known tongue or an unknown tongue is the difference between life and death. The building is on fire. Everyone out. I don't even know what that means. Now, I believe I just broke the law, did I not? I did. You're not supposed to yell fire in a public area if there's no fire. But imagine if somebody in an unknown tongue came in tonight, rushed through the door, saying, fire, fire, everybody out. The building's on fire. We wouldn't have a clue, would we? Maybe not until it's too late. And that's what he's getting at here. When it comes to tongues, it is more beneficial. And tongues are useless unless they're heard clearly and understood. Not just heard, but also understood. It is sometimes the difference between life and death. And that is the point of a known tongue being preached or being prophesied as it is spoken here in 1 Corinthians 14. Again, I come back to verse number 19. Paul says, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Whew. That's a lot there. 2,000 times? 2,000 times. He says that preaching is better than tongues. Preaching is 2,000 times better and more efficient than tongues is. That's quite a bit. We're not talking two times. I mean, it would be one thing if he said, I'd rather speak five words than ten words in tongues. No, no, no. He said 10,000. That's quite a difference. Now, if you continue down into verse number 20, he says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children. But in understanding be men. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Verse 22, Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So we're talking about within the church. Within the church. In verse 23, he says, If therefore the whole church were be come together into one place, and all speaking with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, Will they not say that ye are mad? So here's one thing that he says here. Unanimous tongue speaking, forbidden. Unanimous tongue speaking was forbidden. Again, preaching, not tongues, is the method that saves. If you look at verse 23 through 25, in, in verse number 25, we didn't go there, verse 24. Uh, he says, but if, it, if all prophesy, there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. 
And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, as we continue this, he says in verse 26, and we're just about finished here. He says, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. So he just goes through and he says, I'm, I'm trying to regulate you here. He's saying, everybody that comes in, how is it you all have one of these things? So basically, you don't. But he says, let all things be done in edifying. In verse 27, he says, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three. And that by course, let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now listen, understand something here. This is taking place in a time where tongues were necessary, where tongues were being used. However, I want you to note two things here, that one of the regulations here is that tongues were to be limited in number. Now, we're talking about something that is of God. Okay? Tongues were used. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, I don't want to say the word privileged here, but I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be in a service outside of a traditional Baptist church where uh, someone has spoken in tongues. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Okay, a few of you. All right. I, I have as well, and uh, some I have seen, I have just witnessed on television or something like that. Some I have been uh, in person. I, I was attending for not a preaching service, another type of service. Uh, but it, it is uh, often somewhat chaotic. Not every time, but my experience it has been very chaotic. And one would pop up over here, and then another would pop up over here, and another would pop up in the back, and another would pop up over here, and, and, and all of a sudden you would have multiples going through. Now, God regulated in His Word two. Maybe we'll stretch it to three. But you see, the, what is described today is that you are being in the Spirit. In order to speak in tongues, one must be in the Spirit, they would say. Now, does God ever contradict God? No. So if God's Word says two, yeah, maybe three, and then five people get in the Spirit, I'll use quote marks here, get in the Spirit, who's in violation? Well, at least two of them are, right? <laughs> if we're going to say tongues are still used today, at least two of them are, but which two? Which two did God speak to or not speak to? Or which three? 
Well, there's no way to tell, and that's one of the reasons, though, and it's going to get even deeper here in just a moment. Because then it says, let one interpret. Now, I'm going to tell you, for me, I have yet to be in a service where there's been an interpreter. Other than one service that I was in, that one person spoke in tongues and then interpreted himself. It was actually herself. Again, that's not what Scripture says. It's not what the Scripture says, is it? And so we have to be very careful in what we go to, even in today, uh, if you're going to accept the premise that tongues are still in use today, it better be followed by the Scripture. Amen? If you're going to accept that, it better be followed by the Scripture because the Scripture lays it out. Now let me go a little further here. Because tongues were limited in number. But if you continue reading, in verse 29 he says, let the prophets speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let him first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that ye may all learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Remember what it says here, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. That's why there had to be an interpreter. Because God's not the author of confusion. But hold on. This is where it gets real. This is where context is very important as well. Verse 34, next regulation. Let your women keep silence in the churches. And all God's men said, don't say a word. Uh, if, you're, if you know what's good for you. That's not what it means. Let the women keep silence in the churches. But look what he says. He says, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. They are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Are women allowed to speak in church? Absolutely. Are they allowed to speak in tongues? No. The context here is clear that it is not talking about women speaking other than in tongues. So here's the regulation. Limited in number, two or three. Women? Not at all. Not at all. I didn't say it. God's Word said it. But again, let me go back to my experience in modern day tongues movement. My experience, the majority of those that are speaking in tongues in churches today violate the Scripture simply because they're women. Now remember, God's not the author of confusion. It's not His purpose. He's not that author, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Not some, not a few, not most, but all. Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it's not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Now. 
This last regulation it goes continues, let them ask their husbands at home. What, verse 36, came the Word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are, get this, the commandments of the Lord. Paul wanted to make it very clear here. He's not just making this up. He's not just giving. Listen, Paul is not giving his opinion. Commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, some get confused here. Okay? Some get confused here because of what these last few verses say. Let's hold on for a moment. I don't want you to be confused. I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay? This is the fourth or fifth book of the New Testament. The Word of God has not been completed yet. When Paul is writing this, he's writing it to who? The church of Corinth. That's who he's writing it to. God has preserved it for us and for our learning. So when Paul is writing here, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues. Tongues was still a thing when he wrote this. As he's writing it to this church at Corinth. It was still a thing. It was still in use. Because that which is perfect hadn't come yet in the Word of God. It hadn't been completed yet. It hadn't been finished yet. And so that is why Paul is saying, hey, you'd be better off not, but if you're going to, do it this way, because these are the commandments of God. And if you don't do it this way, you're violating God's commandments, and therefore it is not of God. But, but, within this particular time, for this particular day, he says, forbid him not. Because you see, again, it was a hotbed topic. Some were saying, oh, you can't do that over here. And some were saying, oh, we can do a free-for-all. Oh. And Paul's bringing some regulations here. Now again, that which is perfect... Has come. And we've had it for a long, 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 long time. Tongues no longer have a use in our particular day and time. And I will give my opinion here. If they were to be used today, it's my opinion. If they were to be used today, it would be a supernatural thing by God. I am of the opinion that if it were to be used today, that it would be similar to what took place at Pentecost. Where I would speak in the English language, and if there was one here that did not know English, would be able to pick up on that. And that is simply my opinion. 
simply my opinion. Don't get me wrong there. But at the end of the day, Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. And that is why he gave these regulations. He's like, guys, this is a mess. It's an absolute mess. Get it straight. Get it right. Help the church. Help the church. Witness to the lost. and Give the regulations. They were all to be done decently and in order. I hope that I've given you some better understanding of the use of tongues. I hope. I didn't confuse you much. may have been a little scattered this evening. We've got two chapters left. Chapter 15 is probably the longest chapter. Chapter 16 is uh, Paul's going to give some greetings and some more instructions. I am going to uh, do my best to finish these over the next two weeks. and Then we'll jump right in. But we've got two weeks left in the book of 1 Corinthians. I hope you're getting some things from this. We're going to pray. We'll be dismissed if you want to stand to your feet this evening. Thank you for your attention tonight. I'll be.